Hello and welcome again to another episode of The Rock Show, episode 28. And um, Michael Rock, um, Rock or Mike? Jesus Christ. This is episode 28? 28. Thought it was 26. No, because we did the Bobby Steele, what's 26? Oh, yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. This is the 28th episode. Um, And um, you want to give our special dedication? Yeah, this show, we're going to make a special uh, dedication to it. Uh, My family, we lost our dog, Tiny, this weekend. We had to put her to sleep. So a few of us here, we all knew Tiny, right? Yes. And uh, she was a great little Yorkie. We had her for eight years. We had to put her down. So this show is dedicated to Tiny up in the sky. Well, gold goes to heaven, except Tiny. <laughs> Tiny's running around the hill going, wah, 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 yep, what yep. the fuck? I'm not going to be Chinese food. I'm not going to be Chinese food. <laughs> that dog made it through Chinatown alive. Yeah. It made it to Warhop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right, Mike. So, so this week we're doing an episode on the famous Susie and the Banshees. Um, they started out as uh, part of the punk rock scene in the UK in the in the 70s, and they evolved into a uh, I guess like called goth, goth rock, new wave, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah, uh, they're one of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah. Um, and uh, start a little bit about Susie Sue right here. Get that get that going. Yeah. Um, her name was Susan Janet Ballion, okay, and she was born May 27, 1957 in Southwark, England. She was the youngest of three kids. Now, her mother was a secretary and her father was actually a bacteriologist, and he used to take poison out of snakes in the Belgian Congo. Holy shit. Okay, and that was a few years before she was born. Uh, right around a few years before she was born, they, they moved to England, and her father was a, a big-time alcoholic, and he, and he didn't work anymore once he got to England. And after she was born, uh, she became very close with her father through her you know, childhood and teenage years. But by the time she was 14, uh, her father passed away from alcoholism, and that kind of destroyed her in some ways. Um, she, at age nine, uh, Susie was actually sexually assaulted. Her Holy and Frank, shit. okay, and she's talked about this in interviews, um, and she said it wasn't just the act that you know hurt her; it was the fact that her parents didn't didn't care, didn't, didn't care. they ignored it. So she developed this like distrust of of any adults. Now, when she was uh, after her father died, uh, she ended up getting sick and she had a ulcerative colitis, and she had to get an operation. And this was in 1972 when she was 15 years old. Wow. Uh, she actually was in the uh, recovery room, or her room recovering actually, in the hospital when David Bowie was on top of the pops. And it, that was a, a life-changing moment for her. Um, she survived that, that uh, ulcerative colitis, uh, got through that. Uh, by the time she was 17 in 1974, she started to frequent a lot of gay discos places yeah, like that in England and uh, you know that that isn't you know it's funny if we say gay disco but really a lot of people went there for the music oh yeah that was, you know? disco was very popular in right. that time well it wasn't in, in England uh, from the late 60s into the early 70s the gay discos were where you would hear the latest music you wouldn't hear it on the BBC stuff like uh, even soul music from America 
uh, R&B really wasn't played on the radio in England, but you could hear it in the discos. So yeah. it didn't matter what your sexuality was. You went there for the music, too. You ever seen that? They had that Netflix series. It was, I think, um, something. It was about this group. And they had to go to like this uh, disco, and it was and like a, to, get, yeah. to play the in music. England? And no, it was in uh, America. Oh, yeah. And because also in America, you yeah, would hear the, yeah. in order your song. If a DJ would play your song, sure, it was a big hit. the next thing the thing is playing. Oh, this guy played this song, yeah. and then the next thing you know, it's getting airplay in the radio. So you know, disco was something that really decided yeah. what kind of music would come out. So for her True. to go there, she probably heard the newest sound. Yeah. So she would hear the newest. I mean, you would hear Bowie being played. Yeah. Okay. Uh, stuff that maybe you didn't hear on the radio, the album tracks and things like that. Um, now, 1974 into 75, uh, the, the glam scene in England was dying down, and uh, you had Roxy Music was a big popular band. Yeah. So her and her friends were kind of revolving around that. Okay. Um, she made friends with a guy named Steve Severin. Uh, Steve, I believe his real last name is Bailey. Um, he got his name Severin from the famous book Venus and Furs, okay. and actually the Velvet Underground has that song Venus and Furs, where it's where the lyric is about a guy named Severin. So he got it from that as well. Uh, 1975, the Sex Pistols played near where she was living at a local art college. Yep. Uh, she actually didn't go to that show, but she heard about it. Uh, friends went, and they said, "Listen, you got to see this band." I thought that's when she met Stephen. Steve Severin. I think they. I think they knew each other, but they. He was the guy that told her about the about the Stooges show. I mean, the Sex Pistols show. And he told her, "Look, you know, this this band sounds like Iggy Pop and the Stooges. You gotta check them out." Yeah. So a couple months later, in February of '76, the Pistols were playing in London, and everything she heard about the last show, she saw on that show. Okay, you know. The Pistols were just loud, obnoxious, menacing in many ways, and that's what she was looking for in music. Uh, so right away, uh, she became a fan. She actually met the band at that point and uh, decided she was going to like, you know, wherever they played, she was going to follow them around. Her, she kind of became a groupie. Kind of a groupie. Uh, I don't know if it meant groupie, groupie like that, but it definitely was like, a, you know, following the yeah, band following around. Man. Um, unofficially, there was a, a group of people that she was in with, like a little gang called the, the Bromley Contingent. Yeah. And that name was coined by somebody in the press about people that were following them around. They didn't really call themselves that, but, I mean, the people in this Bromley Contingent was uh, Susie, Steve Severin, Billy Idol, okay, was part of it. Yeah. Um, and many others, I don't know, uh, they... Do, do you remember Sue Catwoman? Yeah. Okay, and the, like a punk scene, all those old pictures of her with looking like a cat. Yeah. Okay, with her hair and everything. She was part of that Bromley contingent, too. Um, Susie, at this point, was outrageous. I mean, she was wearing latex fetish clothes. Uh, she had cat eye makeup, yeah. right? Uh, makeup. Wore black all the time. And, and that would be the, in the UK, that would be the attire that a lot of the early punks, a lot of women, stuff like that. Uh, eventually, that would become, in time, it would become like a goth thing also. Is that why you're wearing a British flag on your head? Yeah, I'm a Brit today. I'm a Brit today. <laughs> my Susie and the Banshee shirt on, you know? Yeah. Uh, but um, September of 76, the uh, Bromley contingent would follow the Sex Pistols to France when they went to play in Paris. And uh, Susie got beat up in the street. 
because she was wearing a swastika armband. <laughs> okay, and she she said I was just doing it to piss people off, you know, oh, yeah. be outrageous. But people took it seriously and they and they smacked her around a little bit. Um, in September twentieth, nineteen seventy six, there was a festival in in London called the One Hundred Club Punk Festival. The One Hundred Club was a and that place was a in big London. Thing. Yeah, it was a big thing. They were going to get all the bands together that were popular. Yeah. Have a festival over the weekend. Yeah, and it was like that version of Woodstock almost. Yeah, but it was a little small little club, small, like yeah. a CBGB small little club. But they were trying to get anybody. 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 Yeah, and and if you remember that we talked about Don Letts that yeah. time, he was involved with yeah. that also. Um, she was asked to perform. Um, there was there was her, Steve Severin, a guy named Mario Peroni, and uh, a guy named John Simon Ritchie, who we all know as Sid Vicious. Yeah, okay. and they put a little impromptu band together called the Flowers of Romance. Um, they did one song. They played for twenty minutes. They did a version of the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> twenty minute version of the Lord's Prayer, and uh, she just screamed and yelled through the whole thing. The Banshees would actually do that. In one of their later albums, like third or fourth album, they would do the Lord's Prayer. It's like the last song on the album, but. Um, then you had the the, uh, the infamous Bill Grundy show in December of 76. Uh, she was on with the Sex Pistols. That was the show where Steve Jones, you know, said, you fucking rotter and all that. And basically it was because Bill Grundy hit on Susie. And he, she said something, like he was looking at her very suggestively on the show. And she said something, to, like he was like, oh, what are you wearing? You know, she was wearing like you know, latex, right? Mm. And, and she's like, oh, I always wanted to meet you, right? And he's just like, oh, well, let's get together after the show, you know? So Steve Jones is like, you dirty old man, you dirty rotter, you fucking rotter. You know, like that. <laughs> 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 <You know? laughs> and that was, uh, I mean, a huge, a huge scandal in England. No one ever heard fuck on, a ra- on TV before. But they right? did that but day. they did then. And he lost his job, Grundy, over that. And uh, that was when you the, the press went absolutely nuts on that band. And she actually, because of all that negative press, she kind of had to pull away from the Pistols at that point. But she was going to start her own thing. I think that, that, that little flowers of romance gave really kindled in her. A, 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 that gave her the inspiration. She's like, everything. we got to do this. Right, right. So she started Susie and the Banshees. Okay, now they had some other ideas for names you mentioned. Yeah, they had Jane that? and the Icebergs. Jane and the Icebergs. Well, I think Susie and the Banshee sounds better. Yeah. Right? Um, and it was all, you know, it was interesting how she spelled the name Sue like, yeah. you know, like an Indian. Yeah. You know, and uh, just, just very cool. Um, it was Susie on vocals, Steve Severin on bass, mm-hmm. they had a guy named Peter Fenton on guitar, and a guy named Kenny Morris on drums. But after a few gigs, uh, Morris would be out, thrown yeah. out of the band. Uh, they felt he was too rock and roll, too much of a rock and roll drummer yeah. for them. Uh, John McKay would also replace Fenton on guitar around that same time. Um, Is that guy the guy that's considered one of the top 100 guitarists? Uh, nah. nah. They're not known for their guitar sounds, really. You know, they weren't... They weren't a band that was having, you know, lead guitar, uh, you know, solos and things like that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them in a, in a, in a guitar kind of category, mm-hmm. you know. I'd say she has a great voice, yeah, Susie, you know, unique voice. Uh, but I wouldn't put really any of them as. They're all good musicians. Don't get me wrong. They're very good musicians. They were probably a, a notch above 
some of those other people uh, at the time in the UK, but I wouldn't put them as a you know, guitar hero type stuff. Um, November of 77, they appeared on a TV show called So It Goes, okay? And they recorded a, a session also with John Peel for BBC Radio, uh, they, and Susie, uh, right away, you know, was, was the way she looked with the, with the hair and the makeup and the clothes, she made the cover of Sounds Magazine in December of 77. So right away, they were, they were, they were kind of like, you know, moving up in the world. Um, between January and June of 77, they played out to sold out venues everywhere they went. But they were looking for a record deal that was going to give them the artistic control that they wanted over their music. That was like, yeah, that was the whole thing. You know what? They never took out the same album twice. They were never the same bar. Oh, but that, 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 that was they, intentional. They, I mean, they, their music... Their they music, evolve. They evolve. Their music, they don't have one album that they sounds sound, alike. No. And even, they have albums where every song sounds different. Yeah. Okay, different styles. And that's that was the thing with them. Uh, they, they're one of the few bands that have ever pulled that off good, you know. Um, most bands, if they're all over the all over the place, it kind of turns me off. But for some reason, the way they did it, it always worked. Why did they go to so many? They went to a few members. Was it just that they couldn't? What was like um, they couldn't find the right person? Or well, there were a couple of people they threw out because of being too rock and roll. They didn't want to be like this, like you know, rock band. Okay, they they didn't. I don't think they really thought of themselves as a punk band either. No. Okay, but they just felt like maybe some of these guys were showing off too much or whatever. But yeah. they were British. They were like British rock and roll. But the thing is, they weren't that rock and roll. They were definitely their yeah, own. They were more. They were more experimental. Yeah, they were definitely experimental. Uh, there was a band. Uh, some people might know them, called Can, C A N Can, yeah. and uh, Johnny Lydon, Johnny Rotten considers them like one of his biggest influences and i'm actually not a big fan because it's kind of like way out there as far as music but if you listen to ken and you listen to susie and the banshees some of the stuff you could see that way they got it from oh so they say that they pretty much got it from yeah not everything not definitely they got not everything but you could you could hear the influence yeah, yeah. i mean it can i guess you could just call it progressive rock yeah okay definitely. but it, it you know they're they're an interesting band but uh not exactly my cup of tea, but... Susan and Bandy winded up starting as a rock and roll band, and by the end of the last album, they winded up being a turn of the rock band. Well, the world changed yeah, in those they, 20 they were, years. They I mean, they, you know, take care, Mario, I'll going back right. to Odessa. Thank shout you. to Mario, and Thank shout you. to Boogie, as usual. Yep. Okay. Um, during that time when they were touring between January and June of 77, they would be Polydor Records were courting them and basically gave them the deal they wanted with the artistic control that they, yeah. they wanted. And uh, right away they signed them uh, in June and the first single called Hong Kong Garden was released in August. And that got to number seven yeah, on they, the UK they, they, charts. They, yeah. Still one of my favorite songs from them. I think it's from that period. That's Tom from Eagle the Punk. Scream album, right? Yeah, it did make the Scream album. Right, but it was released yeah. at least ahead of the it album. Was, it was a single. Yeah, single off the album. Uh, the album would actually be released in 19, uh, November, November of 1978, the album The Scream. That's the first album from them. And that got to number 12 in the album charts in the UK. Uh, at this point, you know, first album, they really weren't making a blip over here yet. 
It no, took but a couple albums. In the UK, it was a critical acclaim. It was a critical acclaim album. People loved it. People yeah. were loving the sound, loving that's, the music. That's one thing about Susie and the Banshees. And they were loving when the look. Came, when they, right. When they came out with an album, the critics always liked it. I don't, I don't recall ever reading a bad review. Even on, even in, on this side of the pond in, in America, they were getting good reviews. I was just nobody was listening to them you know, at that point. Um, the tracks on that first album that stand out to me is a song called Pure, a song called Carcass. Uh, yeah. They did a great version of, of Helter Skelter, Beatles, yep. right? Uh, and then there's Metal Postcard. That's a great one. Which is a, an anti-Nazi song. <laughs> and I always thought it was interesting that they did that given the, the problem. I mean, but they probably I think, did it I think purpose. that's what they did. Yeah, it just to, I, they just totally to show that they didn't want to, you know, they had nothing to do with, with that. Um, the second album, uh, Join Hands, was released in the following year, in September of 79. Uh, that's an interesting album. Uh, it, it, it takes a lot of subject matter from World War One. Okay, there's a song called Poppy Day, P-O-P-P-Y, like the flower. Yeah. And that's a reference to the poppy fields in Flanders where all the men died in World War One. Let me ask you a question. Did yeah. Boy did something like that, like where he was at the Burning Wall? Yeah, uh, the Heroes album. Uh, Do had you a think lot of cool she took war. a little piece of that? Sure. I mean, because it almost sounds almost the same. She, I mean, well, this was a world, yeah, World War One, Great War yeah. uh, subject. Uh, I think Heroes had more of a World War Two. Yeah. yeah, I mean, definitely it was it a definitely historical got subject yeah, matter. Yeah, but they also got it. I think she yeah. might have. Oh, I got. I'll do World War One. <laughs> you know, Susie was listening to both. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. So definitely was influenced. Now that album, uh, Joint Hands, got to number thirteen in the charts at the UK. Uh, at that point they were going to go on a huge tour and Kenny Morris on drums and John McKay left the band like right before the tour yeah. they were doing an in-store signing with the band and an argument happened and they just left yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was in front of everybody or you know somewhere else but it was the day of an in-store signing and they, all, they just left they, they quit um, they had to get some people in there to do the tour, uh, they hired a guy named Budgie, okay, who would who would. He, he was a drummer. He was a drummer. Uh, he had drummed with the Slits, yeah. Okay, Bill Abbotton and the Slits, um, and they were looking for a guitar player. They couldn't find anybody, and a guy we all know from the Cure named Robert Smith stepped in, volunteered to just join the band. I, I saw for the that. Tour. I saw and a lot that. of people Robert don't know he Smith. played with that. Yeah. A lot of I people don't that. know that. Is that D. Robert Smith for the killer? Yep. Yep. So he gave his services for that tour, and, and after the tour was over, he went back to the cure. To the cure. Okay. Um, after that tour, they got guitarist John McKeough, uh, and they recorded the Happy House single, another great track. Uh, the third album, Kaleidoscope, would be released in 1980. Uh, the tracks on that stand out are Christine, Hybrid, Red Light. Christine's one of my all time favorite songs from, from that band. Great. Yep, yep, Hybrid, Red Light. Um, that album would make it to number five in the UK charts as well. Uh, that song, that album, um, 
Kaleidoscope was interesting um, because every song was different. I thought that was one of the best. I, albums. I, it could be my favorite one. I think I, if I, I think had that's to pick the one. Best album. You know, I, I still remember seeing this album and yeah. the whole thing. I was like, when I even read that, I'm like, oh shit! I remember you remember this that album? album. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great album. Uh, now this was the album the band was starting to get a little blip here in the in the United States. Like yeah, the, the Christine single. Yeah. Um, it was a video made for that. That that was played early on at MTV. Um, and it was also at this time... I think know, the video came out 120 minutes first. No, nah, there was no 120 minutes in 1981. Sure? In 1981, when, when, when MTV when started... When experimental rock or whatever. It was like one of those weird shows that it, came at night. It, it might have been on 120 minutes, but the video was already about five or six years old at that okay. point. You know, but I can remember seeing that on the early days of MTV when they didn't have. I remember MTV when it didn't have commercials when it first started. Had no yeah. commercials for the first like year or two. Oh, I know. I remember seeing yeah. the video late at night, yeah. and I thought it was part of the. It was part of that. Night. It was part. It uh, definitely uh, was artists, artists upcoming. It was something artists upcoming artists or artists to watch. Yeah, it was something like that. Something like that they had. Yeah, the artists to watch. Watch this one, and it was that. And I remember seeing. I said, "What the fuck are these people?" Yep. Yep. They look like aliens. Yep. Yep. So, uh, 1981, when that album came out, Susie and Budgie were having a secret love affair. Okay. And they also had started a side project called The Creatures. The Creatures, yeah. Yeah. Um, they released an EP called Wild Things in that year. Um, nobody knew about their little relationship in the band for a while. Um, but uh, they were, the, the, uh, the Banshees were still working on new material. And in 82, they released the album Kiss in, Kiss in the Dreamhouse. And it's kind of like a, a psychedelic album, a lot of strings on that album. It's an interesting sound. To uh, me, that was the Dr. Pepper album for them. Was it? Dr. Pepper? Like, Dr. Like, uh, what is it? Um, the uh, Beatles album? Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant Pepper. Pepper. <laughs> 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 Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I don't know. Dr. Pepper sounds pretty good. Yeah, it, right? does, it does. I like Dr. Pepper. Yeah, Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, that was that Sergeant was Pepper. Was that Sergeant Pepper? I, yeah, in a way. It, had, it, 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 it was definitely different from any other thing they oh, did. Oh, it was at that point. And I mean, like, they didn't have songs with, with strings on them and things the, like that. What that the fuck is this shit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They, uh, John McKeoch would leave the band around that time because he had bad alcohol problems. And, and Robert Smith would join them once again to go on tour with them because wow. they lost their guitar player. Uh, 1983, some of the side projects like The Creatures. Um, as Severin had his own side project for a little while. Um, a Creatures full-length album had come out. And they released as Susie and the Banshees the cover of Dear Prudence, Beatles song. Okay? And that would make it to number three in the UK. Uh, there was a live album with Robert Smith on it, okay, called Nocturne. And their sixth studio album, Hyena, will come out in 83 as well. Uh, 84, Robert Smith left the, left the Banshees for the last time. Um, and he basically, he, he went back to the cure, but he went back to the cure like with his tail between his legs because he was like emotionally exhausted from being in two bands at the same time. Because yeah. he was, even though he was with the Banshees, he was still doing Cure stuff too. Yeah. So he was like totally exhausted, and he had to leave the Banshees. Uh, they picked up a guitar player named John Valentine Carruthers, and they would release an EP that year called The Thorn. 
And on that EP, the Banshees played with the classical music orchestra, which is interesting. Uh, 1985, they would begin writing for the album Tinderbox. Um, they were anxious to put out some music right away, so they released a single called Cities in Dust. Uh, there was a video that went with this right away. And um, it was, uh, to me, it's one of their most classic songs, mid-80s, um, great video. It was the, to me, it was the album that kind of like got me into Susie and the Banshees, the album Tinderbox. Um, I was into them a little bit before, but kind of just like singles and, you know, the greatest hits up, up to that point, I didn't know a lot from them. But when that video for Cities and Dust came out and it was getting a lot of airplay on, on MTV and, and a little bit on like LIR, uh, 92.7 was a, a great station we used to listen to for new music. Um, that year, uh, actually 1986, right, the beginning of 86, they would release the album Tin the Box and they went on tour right away. Um, which would culminate in May of 86 at the uh, Radio City Music Hall here in New York. I got to see uh, the band with uh, Public Image Limited opening up. And it's a concert I, I always remembered. Uh, first song right away, they did Cities and Dust. They went into a bunch of other great songs. Thanks, man. Take care. Um, unfortunately, it was the only time I ever got to see the band that year. That was 86. And it was the funny thing. They were pretty... They, they started in the UK, but they actually had pretty good run here in the US, too. Yeah. Um, with that album, the Tinderbox album kind of broke it open for them here in the States. They never had a big hit. You know, they, their albums w would be in the top 200. Yeah, the but top they didn't 200. But they didn't have any hits until a little bit later on. Okay, they started to get a little more recognition. It was after that Tinderbox album. But you know what she did that I still hate to today? What? I still hate. I hate golf. Golf? Whole, I hate that fucking whole thing of people just standing in the corner and dancing like a goddamn... And you know what? Yeah. They dance like a goddamn crazy person. <laughs> I, I don't want... Because if I, I call it... I had a thing those, for that kind of shit those for a are while. special people. I, 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 I they did the same three steps for like an <laughs> yeah, hour. They dance it was horrible. It was I horrible. Used to go, I used to go to uh, uh, the vault. I went there a couple of times. I went to the tunnel the a couple bank. of times. The bank the was bank, famous. The bank that was the... Pyramid would have goth oh, nights. Oh I went God. a few times. And, you know... The, These look, are special here, people. Here's the, here's the thing. I thought Suzy Sue was hot as hell. I know. Okay? No? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. oh, you do? No, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, right? I mean, I had a poster in but my room. But those fucking people, okay. those... Uh, they wouldn't go drink. They would, They just fucking go dance like No, they just it. pretend like they're dead. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's... But it was Some like, of the music... The, the thing is, is Susie and the Banshees were like a pioneer of that sound. They didn't even know what they were creating. It wasn't no. like they were like, oh, I'm going to create a goth sound. But they sound. also they considered just, The Cure. That, that, the Cure is the a cure. band that I really don't like. I, I, know, I can't I get into them. I like a couple of early, early songs like Killing an Arab. Yeah. That's a good song. Okay. But, uh, you know, the stuff that got popular here in the, in the late 80s and early 90s in America, I just couldn't. It was just too but, down, you but know. Robert Smith has a great voice. If you... I, I, I think guess, his voice yeah. Even even now that he looks like the zombie, he looked like a zombie then. No, now he, he looks like a Schmidt now he looks like a zombie that ate all the other zombies. I don't know. He, he looks like, like a zombie that ate all the zombies, and he he was the best. He was one. always he was always like kind of 
you know, pudgy. And like, was, like, the best was when they got they got into the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, he just pretty much told the girl, "I don't really give a shit." I didn't about even know this. they got in. Yeah, did they? He was like, I really don't even give a shit. Nah, like, he made nah, this he won't give a fuck. Yeah, he didn't mean nah. it. it. was like almost like fuck this. This is nothing. Yeah, uh, it was fucking funny. He almost shit on the award. That's good. Was, no, you know, I mean I love when bands do that. The Pistols did it. You know that that's fuck the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We, we, anyway, 1987, uh, they were riding high on Tinderbox, and they decided they decided to make a, an album of covers. You think that's what they named that website? Tinder, Tinder of a Tinderbox. <laughs> All right, you're grasping at straws here, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they were thinking of choosing the banshees. But I mentioned the guy that made it. No, I mentioned the guy that made Tinder was probably a huge. Maybe he's a huge Susie fan. Oh, I got a great name. I got a great name for that. Through the Looking Glass was an album of covers, and the one that stands out that was the big hit was the Billie Holiday song "Strange Fruit." Uh, that she sang. Um, the guitarist Crothers would be fired that year. Jesus, and, they, uh, they, decided, yeah, yeah, they had the a problem with guitar players, yep. And they would go on as a trio for a little while. Um, 1988, they released the album Peep Show, and they got uh, a guitarist, John Klein, and a and guy named Martin McCormick, uh, McCarrick, I'm sorry, that, that uh, could play like 10 different instruments, this guy. He's what they call a multi instrumentalist, okay. and that's in the, and that's where that's where they did the breakthrough in the United. In well, that's the, the album United that States. had Peekaboo on it. Yeah, all right. And when that came out, I kind of was scratching my head a little bit right, because it's a weird little. It's almost like dance music. It's got like accordions in the song and everything, and like squeaky noises and shit. And she's like, it's very quirky. It's not a bad song. It's just it just didn't do much for me. Honestly, at that yeah. point. You know, I kind of like their earlier stuff, everything up to Tinderbox, and then the stuff after that. I think she did a great uh, remake of The Passenger. So I was just going to say that. The Passenger is great. I, I think that's that. on that album as well. That um, was a great version. Yeah, yeah. Well, any any Iggy song is like, fucking great. And, that, yeah. and, I and she did that, it right. And that got a lot of airplay. That airplanes. got a lot of airplay. I yep. remember that. Yep, yep. It was that, even, song, that song, probably more people heard that one first in America than, than the, the Iggy, Iggy one. one. Yep. You know, it's true. Um... There were elements of like uh, hip hop and dance starting to get into their music a little bit. They took a break after that album and did a Creatures album and uh, an album called Boomerang, which was like, the, I think that was the Creatures' biggest uh, yeah. hit album. Uh, big fan was uh, Tim Burton, okay, which makes sense. And in, uh, when he was making his movie Batman Returns, he asked them to do a song called Face to Face, yes. which made the soundtrack. Uh, that was in the early 90s. Now, that was around the time when they also had the single Kiss Them For Me. Mm-hmm. Okay, that and was that single. was probably, their, I think it was their biggest hit in America. The song got to number 23 on Billboard. Uh, it's, not, it's not one of my favorites from them. And the video is, is uh, it, it's, it's interesting because she doesn't wear any of her makeup in the video and she's dancing there's almost like an Indian kind of sound to it uh, Indian music um, and she's dancing like, like Bollywood? yeah like that Bollywood kind of... yeah not, oh. not, not <laughs> Susie Sue Indian like you know exactly not that one <laughs> not the guy with the tomahawk <laughs> anyway uh, she had no makeup on in that video, so I remember seeing it being like, 
She looks good, but I miss the makeup, you know? Yeah, well. So Face to Face would be on the Batman Returns soundtrack. And then in 1995, they recorded the album The Rapture. And that was a great album. Yeah, too. it was popular. And at that point, though, Polydor dropped them after all that time. So in April of 96, Susie broke up the band. And uh, basically, they wanted to go separate ways, do their own stuff. The creatures would continue on. Um, the only guy that pretty much was in the, every version of the group was the guy Severin. Um, Severin. Severin. He was and young, Susie. Every, and Susie. Because yeah. everybody else, from the drummer to the guitarist. Well, Budgie, right. Budgie wasn't on the first album. Yeah. Yeah. And he's kind of famous, though, because he was with them almost as long. Yeah, as long. But I mean, you know, the band pretty much changed a lot, but they definitely had a problem finding a good guitarist. Yeah. Well, look how many bands we talked about so yeah. far. There's always a, a problem with some, usually it's a drummer. Yeah. Okay. Bass player. This time it's the guitarist. Here, the bass player. It's hard to keep a band together. So let me tell you an interesting fact. So, Susie and the band, they had 11 studio albums. Right. And they had 30 singles, which I think that's insane. No, that's a lot three of singles. You think that's what it was, three an album? They were, they were one of the last great singles bands, I think. Uh, they, they emphasized their singles a lot. They would put them out, time them correctly to, to be out before the album and get people ready for the album. You, you know, it, it was good. You ever bought a single and they always had like that one weird song? Well, the like, B, no, B-Sides is the what B-side, they, they were known for B-Sides. It was like, wow, yeah. what the fuck? And, and <laughs> the, the good thing about them as opposed to some other bands with B-sides, is their B-sides are sometimes even better than the A-sides. Yeah, the A-sides. Because they, they were never afraid to be experimental, and they would put out something totally out there as a B-side, and that, you know, you go like, wow, where'd that song come from? And it didn't make the album. Yeah. It's still great. You know? And it's, it's a great fucking song. Yeah. There were a bunch of songs. Yeah. Like, but, you know, a lot of people did that. There were a few bands that would do that, and you were like, like, I remember Guns N' Roses released a whole album on the B-side. It was all the B-side that they did. Which one is that? Um, You're not thinking of the covers album, are you? No, not the cover album. The one that had Patient. Oh, Lies. Yeah, Lies. Lies. That's right. Yeah, That, that was, was all B-side it wasn't, shit that It wasn't out. really B-sides, because that stuff was never released. There was live stuff that was never released. There was stuff that was released as an EP yeah. earlier, but yeah. you couldn't get it anymore, so you they re-released yeah. Lies. I know what you're saying. Yeah, but you it was know, like a B. Was, to me, it was, it was like a B like side, B side yeah. album that they yeah. took out. Yeah, and I thought that was great. I think that's a great album from them. I mean, to me, the only thing you should be listening to by Guns N' Roses is Appetite for Destruction. That's the best album. And Lies, what Lies. you just said. I, uh, and, the, and the Spaghetti Incident, which the is spaghetti the cover's album. That's a great album. User Illusion could suck my dick. Volume one and two, the biggest ripoff put onto you know their fans that you could imagine. Remember, they had to buy. The album separately. I bought them was, both. No, I didn't. I, I, was, bought I was done with them by that point. I bought them. I, I was I, done I, with them. I gave them a second chance when Spaghetti Incident came out. Spaghetti Incident but that, was a but great that album. Was, that was uh, a couple years later when they were already practically done. You know, Weezer just released. Weezer released two albums. They released a cover album. Yeah. That they cover mm. Africa. They cover yeah, AHA and everything. I remember. And yeah. then they released an album with all new songs. It's like, what the? How much studio time? And both albums are like hits. Well, as a band, if you're going to do a cover album, I don't think it really takes long to record something like that. Because a lot of times you're going to pick stuff that you've probably been playing anyway. Anyway, yeah. Okay. And even the new ones probably don't take that 
you know, you put your spin on it like Weezer did with Africa. Yeah. You know, isn't it Weird Al in that video or something yeah. like that? It's, like, right. it's great. Yeah. It, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't horrible. I checked it out. It was okay. Did you go see them? I that, saw them. With that album, right? Yeah, the album. And they also played some, yeah, it was great. Yeah. They put a great show. Yeah, yeah. Album of the week. Okay, it's actually going to be a little two-part. All right. Uh, it's hard for me to pick a, a Susie and the Banshees album that I think is my favorite. Kaleidoscope is close. That's my favorite but album. But I think that if, if, if you're listening and you, and you want to get into this band a little bit, what you should pick up is the uh, Once Upon a Time, the singles. And the first set of those came out in 1981 called Once Upon a Time, the singles. And then a second one came out in 1992 called Twice Upon a Time, the singles. Okay? And it was basically... You know, every the first one is like everything up to the early '80s, and then the second one is going to you know early '80s to the mid '90s. Get those two albums if you're into Susie, or you just want to check them, check her out if you're not familiar, because it's kind of like a, a, a great way to get introduced. You know, uh, they were a singles band yeah. in a lot of ways, so I think it's cool to have that. Um, Song of the week, probably my favorite from them. If I had to pick a, an awesome tune, would be "Love and Avoid." Okay, from the first album called The Scream. The Scream. And I put that on my uh, my Facebook today if you want to see a, the video. The Scream is definitely an album you have to get. Yeah. Um, the first, the first, like, the first, ah, shit, everything up to Tinderbox. Well, like, the first three or four, you really got to have shit the that. box. Shit, <laughs> yeah, then after that, they shit the box, right? Oh, man. Right. That's okay, though. They had a good run. Yeah. I know a lot of bands don't even have that anymore. So... And they, they, that's it, 96. But didn't they have a re-emergence in 2002? Did they have like a reunion show? Uh, they might have done something. Uh, I, I wasn't paying attention too much at that point. Uh, Susie had played with some other people, yeah. done some guest appearances. She's been pretty quiet the last 20 years. Uh, she did make one solo album, yeah, which, is, which, solo which I heard a couple of things off it. And I thought it was okay. Um, I, I love her voice, so basically anything she's on, I'm gonna listen to. Yeah, so they did like a quick. I think they had like a reunion show. Did they? Let's see, in yeah. 2002, and it was like something that was like, all yeah. right, here. You know, and, and if you think about, she's a she's an iconic, and that that word's kind of overused, but the, you know, she is iconic with that whole look. You know, I mean, she created. The, 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 the punk fashion, she created a goth fashion, uh, and she was really like her own, her own thing, you know. Uh, that image of her with the black spiked out hair is like, you know, you can't forget that, yeah. you know. I mean, down here in the East Village, they still use her image to promote goth nights, oh and yeah, like that, you know. And the band's not even around anymore, you know, right. but. That, that style sucked. <laughs> I was I, I like some bands that are considered goth. I like Susie. I like Sisters of Mercy. Sisters of Mercy. Okay. Uh, not, you know, I don't really like The Cure. Uh, a couple of songs. Um, you know, there, there, there was a lot of industrial music, like the Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails. And bands like Skinny Puppy and Ministry and Skinny stuff Puppy, like that. Ministry, yeah. yeah they, they, but Ministry was another they, one. They never took out the same album. They were pretty they much... They were different. They were pretty much, whatever happened, they were like... They start off like yeah. this. I mean, they got lumped in with that goth thing yeah. a little bit, too. Uh, that, that, those, that like industrial and goth scene got kind of merged, right? You know what I mean? Exactly. You know? Um... We got to talk about a show we saw last week. Oh, a very good show. Okay. 
uh, Social Distortion. Remember last week yeah. we did a show on them on the rock show here. And then me, Rob, and, and my wife Sandy went down to Pier 17 at the seaport to check them out. Uh, Flogging Molly opened up. Uh, we got there pretty much just in time to catch them too. They were yeah. good. Um, little Irish rock band. Um, and then Social D went on. I guess it was about 8.30. But I went with that slap dick fucking motherfucker from Fire Molly. He started bringing his politics into the shit. It wasn't him. It was Mike Ness. Oh yeah, my yeah. God! That yeah, was I was going to talk about that. Mike, yeah, we were we were, getting, we were getting lumped up for thirteen dollar like, beers. But fucking the guy from Five Mile made like a little backward comment. Did he make too. a comment? He made like a little backward comment about changing uh, well, the thing and yeah, the yeah, yeah, I was like, come might, on! I don't remember. But, and but, then this guy made another yeah. comment. They now, both Mike, made Mike comments. Ness, you know, Mike Ness is one of my all time favorite frontmen. Uh, Social D is one of my all-time favorite Even your bands. Even politics at home, but, you exactly, motherfuckers. But, but what I can't stand, and, and actually I, I was anticipating something from him because he got in trouble a couple months ago. He was playing somewhere, and some guy, I don't know if he got, was yelling at him from the, uh, from the audience. Uh, he was, supposedly, and, and it, you know, because tr- he was ranting about Trump, Mike Ness. I think the guy told him to shut up. And fucking play, yeah. Okay, and uh, well, we and he jumped show. into the audience, yeah. and and they started going at it. Now you can't do that. I don't care no. who the fuck you are. You can't do that. And and I was I was kind of anticipating Ness to probably he's in New York City. He's got to say something stupid, right? So you know, here we are. We're on, we're on, we're on the roof of this great venue watching the show. Fucking Brooklyn Bridge Bridge's is behind, behind you. Yeah, fucking okay? great. Skyline on the other side. Yeah. And what does Ness do? He starts talking about how immigrants made the Brooklyn Bridge. Well, yeah, we all know that, yeah. okay? But they also came here legally and did it. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to get into it, but it's just like, shut the fuck up. Play your, play music. your music. We're here to be entertained. You know, was, We're trying to forget the fucking yeah. part of this yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah, just shut up and rock. That's yeah. all you got to do. All right, nobody wants to hear your shit. But that aside, it was a great show. It was a great show. Uh, they played, I think, about 12 or 13 songs. Um, a, a little bit too much of the newest stuff, but they did... A do, lot of the new stuff. They did, they did 1945, which, uh, you know, one of their first songs, and that was great. Uh, you know, I wish they did a little bit more for Mommy's Little Monster. I think they were they were a little pressed for time. I think that's... I think Foggy you know? Molly was on too long. Maybe they did, yeah. Something happened there. Because the guy kept thinking his wife, kept thinking his idiot bandmate. Right. There's like 85 people in that band. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Let's get to the real shit. Let's get to social. And actually, a lot of people left after they went on. There was definitely a lot of people that just were flogging Molly. But it didn't didn't empty out. There was still a lot of people. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of people, but a lot of people did leave for... um, We, uh... We ended up at Jeremy's Ale House. Great place, if you ever great place. There. Got to plug them. They've been there for how long? Oh, forever, forever. right? Yeah. Right? They serve food and everything. Great. I think we should do um, one of the shows from there one day. I go there like a Monday, Tuesday, or they Wednesday. They often, right? Or something? Yeah. yeah. Uh, when my, we got to go there early because my cousin works there early. So on a Monday, if we go go there early and we could do, we could sit outside. I'm going to talk to you about this. I got an idea. Yeah, we can do the show there. Yeah. yeah. All right. You just got to let me know so I can bring the other, so we can tape it. Videotape. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, we got some upcoming shows I want to talk about. Um, Black Uru, the great reggae band, is playing Sunday, September 15th at Sony Hall. Me and my wife are going to that. Uh, We always get the VIP seats, so we always get good seats and get taken care of. And, you know, it's 
it's only like twenty dollars more, something like that. It's not much. Tickets are still available for that. Uh, September thirtieth at Town Hall, uh, Debbie Harry from Blondie is doing like uh, it's called Debbie Harry Face It. A book is being released, her autobiography. Uh, for forty bucks, you can go to the show, get the a hardcover of the book, and have it signed for the price of admission. And wow. you can sit in the audience, and after. Uh, when they're done signing and whatever, there's going to be like a presentation, like a video, and she's going to be there and talk about her life and all that. So we're going to that too. I got tickets for that. September 7th at Bauer Electric. A bunch of good shows coming up there. You got the Vibrators. They're on their 25th farewell tour. Um, Are they on the 25th farewell tour? Something like that. One original member, but they're still good. I saw them last year. They were pretty good. Uh, September 11th is a Wednesday this year. Richie Ramone is playing the Bowery Electric. Ooh, that's a weird day. Yeah, right. Pick up uh, his new book called I Know Better Now. I just finished it last week. Or this week, excuse me. It was uh, the other day. And I talked about it a little bit last week. But definitely pick up this book, I Know Better Now, from Richie Ramone. Let me borrow that book and read, man. We could do a little show on the book. Sure. I'd love to get in touch with him. Yeah. He's touring a little bit, but I think he... I think he's living around here again, like yeah. in Jersey or something. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He moved out to the West Coast for a while, but I think he's back. Yeah, let me know, because you were talking about the book last week. You gave the book a plug. You said it's a great book. It's one, you know, reading it in its entirety by this week, finishing it, um, it's one of the best books about the Ramones, oh, yeah? as far as I'm concerned. And I've read them all, you know. Uh, that's September 11th. And September 17th, it's a Tuesday. Mickey Lee's Mutated Music. Uh, speaking of Ramones, Mickey Lee is Joey Ramones' brother. So he's got a little band that's going to be playing at Bowery Electric. Thursday, September 26th, The Undead. Bobby Steele, Diana Steele, they're playing the Bowery Electric as well. Wow. That's all I got for you today, man. That's a lot of stuff. Yep. So we went through the whole thing, and um, Hi. Hi. I thought it was a pretty good show so far. Yeah. Yeah, uh, coming up the next two weeks. I think um, Johnny, Johnny Cash. Cash. Yeah, we're gonna talk we're about the, the Man in Black, uh, the Man two in part Black. episode. Uh, we'll get into all the juicy details of him taking those methamphetamines, getting all fucked up, oh ripping we'll, sinks off the wall. You know, <laughs> and we, get to, and we can get to oh talk God. about him hanging out with um, Elvis and, and all those guys. Out, so, um, listen, Elvis. Jerry, El- Jerry Lee Lewis. You know, El- you know why Elvis hung out with them, right? Like before he even recorded. What? He was hanging out in Sun Studios giving them drugs. Oh, shit. He, he was, was the, the drug dealer. dealer. He was oh, the dealer. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then somebody heard him. I think it was Sam Phillips said, heard him sing something <laughs> and was like, wow, you're not just a pretty face. You can actually sing, you know? And, and, and not only that, you can give us good fucking... Yeah, because he used to get the Benny's. drugs from the from the ghetto. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happened. From the ghetto. From the ghetto. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck does this motherfucker know about? So he was the drug dealer. Yeah. So you told me he was the Jay-Z of that time? He was. He was. He was the Jay-Z hanging out in the recording studio. Getting, oh, yeah. getting, getting drugs for Jerry Lee, Johnny Cash, Sam oh, Phillips. Oh, my oh, yeah. God. Yep. <laughs> All right, so we're definitely going to get to that next week. So, people, have a good week. And we are live from the International. Yep. And remember, don't Don't get get drunk, drunk, get get locked up.